0: Welcome to Crossroads Connection. This is a show all about having conversations surrounding life, ministry, and culture. I wanna say a quick thank you to our friends at The Truth Network for airing this program.
1: Thank you so much, Tyler. I'm your host, Andy George, and I wanna echo that. Thank you. Really do appreciate everybody who listen and comment and send us messages about this program. We really do appreciate the opportunity to spread some good news and really do talk about life, ministry, and culture in various ways. And so, for previous episodes, if you missed any of the episodes so far, feel free to go to crossroads.org/slash radio. That's crossroads.org/slash radio. And for more information just about Crossroads Fellowship, you can go to crossroads.org. So, again, I'm Andy, and I'm so grateful that you're here with me today. We've got a great episode planned for you because today, what I want to do is I want to share a clip from a sermon that I preached not that long ago with the title Silent No More. Come on, it's no secret right now that a lot of us are dealing with COVID, and we're working through it, and maybe not COVID specifically, but we've all been affected somehow in some way by it, right? Maybe job loss, having our kids at home to do school, Uh, maybe it's emotional or mental. But what I have noticed, because I am a pastor of a wonderful church... In the triangle. board, what I've noticed about even our church, as well as talking to a lot of pastors and national surveys, is that this is really affecting Christians. It's really affecting a lot of churches in different ways. On the good side of things, it's really allowed people to be the church in the community, which is so incredibly needed. It's allowed churches to move into uh, maybe some unknown territories, like doing things online and doing things virtual. But what I've noticed more than that, which is a little disturbing, is how much apathy And how much of a consumer Christian mentality this has created. And if we're not careful, I really do believe we're going to lose our voice. And we're going to lose our voice in our communities. We're going to lose our voice in influence. And we're going to lose our voice in the mission. And so we're all called to be on mission with Jesus. So this message that I want you to hear is called Silent No More, and it really is about understanding what your message is, what your calling is, where your mission field is. It's a different perspective of how to look at life in order to do. Listen, if you're listening to this right now and you're a Christian, you are joining me on mission. We are all called to go into the world, to make disciples, to preach, to teach, to baptize people, and that's what we're all called to do. But if we're not careful, we allow things like COVID – or finances, or stress, or worry to silence us and silence the church. So, Silent No More is the title of this message. I hope you enjoy it. I hope it is impactful to you, and I hope you find it encouraging. But first, a quick word from our sponsor.
0: Perhaps you've asked yourself this question. Are you running the business, or is the business running you? How might your teams grow if your teams were driving the business forward instead of you? You are sitting on a wealth of untapped opportunity. It takes courage to learn how to create a culture where your people are truly empowered to own their seats. My name's Cheryl Scanlon, business and executive coach. Working together, we'll go straight to your core challenges to sort through competing demands and realign to your highest priorities for measurable results. Visit c3advantage.net. That's c3advantage.net.
1: Now you got John the Baptist going, hey, you remember what Isaiah wrote about? Well, this Jesus, he's actually here. John the Baptist, I want to highlight four areas. As I was reading through Mark, and especially reading through John the Baptist, not only do these four areas surface for me, but also there's some questions that I asked myself that I just want to ask you this morning. The first one is this, is John the Baptist had a very clear cause and a very clear purpose. John the Baptist knew exactly why he was on this earth. John the Baptist knew exactly what his purpose was. And as I saw John the Baptist living in his purpose, I couldn't help but ask myself the question and thereby asking us is, do you really know your cause and purpose? Like, why are you actually here? Not just here at church, but why are you actually on this earth? Why are you where you are? And I'm just here to tell you, there's a cause and a purpose. It's not just to fill a void. It's not just to work a job. It's not just to get married or have kids. There's something greater that you and I are part of with that cause and that purpose. The second thing I want to talk about today is that John the Baptist had a voice. He had a very clear message. John the Baptist had a a direct message of proclaiming the good news of Jesus. And he used his voice. He used his voice when it wasn't popular. He used his voice in front of Herod that we're going to read about. He was not ashamed of that voice and that message, and that's what he did. He just he proclaimed the good news. He proclaimed that Jesus was coming, and that was his voice and his message. And again, the question came to my spirit first was, Andy, how are you using your voice? Church, how are you using your voice? How are you using the message that God has given you? Are we even using it? The third area I'm going to talk about today is that John the Baptist had a very specific missions field. He had a very specific calling with a very specific group of people. He was called to the wilderness, to all of Judea, and to Jerusalem. He knew his audience. He knew where he was called to do, where he was called to be. And again, the third question for all of us is, do you recognize where you are? Whether that's a university, whether that's a school, a job, a family, your neighborhood. Do we recognize that as potentially that is where God has placed me to be the missionary there? Or do we look at it as just a a means to an end? That this is where we are just to do life one day at a time. I think our perspective, if we start viewing things just a little different, I'm not talking massive tweak, just, a, just enough to turn the dial a little bit and start actually viewing the harvest as the harvest. I wonder what that would do inside of us. And the fourth thing I want to talk about this morning is that John the Baptist had a very clear spirit about him. He was filled with a spirit of humility and boldness. What a unique combination that is. To have both humility and yet boldness. Humility to know who he was in Christ. Humility to know that that Jesus was coming that was greater than him. But yet boldness to proclaim the truth even to a politician that ended up in jail and actually ended up giving up his life. Boldness and humility. So let's start for number one. The first point I want to talk about this morning is the call and the purpose and the cause that John the Baptist have. Mark chapter 1, let's go there. Mark chapter one it'll be on the screen if you don't have your Bibles. But Mark chapter 1, starting in verse 1, says, The beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. As it is written in Isaiah, the prophet, Behold, I send my messenger before your face, who will prepare your way? The voice of one crying in the wilderness, preparing the way of the Lord, make his path straight. John appeared, baptizing in the wilderness, and proclaiming a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. John the Baptist had a very clear cause and a very clear purpose. His cause and his purpose was to be a messenger for Jesus. In other parts of scripture, I love this passage where John is in the womb of his mom and his mom meets up with Mary, Jesus' mom, when Jesus is in her womb. And when John in the womb approaches Jesus in the womb, it says that he leaps for joy, that he responded to Jesus in the other womb. I love that passage. I love it, one, because it just shows that from the very beginning that John had a very specific calling and purpose. His whole purpose in life was to repair the way for Jesus. And again, I guess the question for us is, do we actually embrace the cause and the purpose for Jesus in our life? Do we embrace what we are all called to do and to be for Christ in our life? Now, I'm not talking about your interests. I'm not talking about your hobbies. I'm talking about a cause and a purpose that advances the kingdom, that does something deeper inside of who God is, that lines up with Scripture that's biblical. And let me just encourage you with something, because I really do think that at times, I think that a lot of followers of Christ forget this, or they don't forget it, but they just don't implement it. Here's the deal, church. I feel that my, my kind of job as your pastor is just to not, not dump things down and not lower the bar, but to keep it up here, just to keep, like, this is how we're supposed to act. You and I, that we are called, all of us who call Christ Savior, we are all called to be part of the commission of Jesus. All of us. We are called to go in, the, go in the world. We're called to preach the gospel. We're called to train and teach people his ways. We're called to baptize people. We're called to make disciples. We are all part of that calling. If you call yourself a Christian, that is your calling as much as it is mine. And yet I wonder, I just wonder, how are we doing in that church How are you and I doing, not just as a church, not just as an organization, because our vision and calling is similar, right, to make disciples, to transform the triangle and the world. But let me just ask you a blunt question. Remember, here's the bar. Let's not lower it. Who are you discipling? Let me just ask you. Who are you discipling? You, not the person next to you, not the group you're in, not the organization, just, just you. Who is it that you are discipling? Because I have a hard time believing that we are disciples of Jesus if we're not discipling somebody. Because to be a disciple of Jesus means you are discipling somebody else. There's no way around that. And I think we've, we've dumbed it down and, and lowered the bar and made it so easy for people just to skip that step and let's just be part of a group and let's just go to church and let's just check boxes, which is all great and fine. But, but we are called to make disciples. You can't make disciples if you're not doing life with somebody else. So let me just ask you, and I hope you're getting a little uncomfortable. Maybe I'm stepping on your toes. Totally fine with me. Because it's calling in Scripture. If you are a Christian, you are called to make disciples. Now, how you do that, where you do that, the means you do it, tons of room for that, right? But are you actually discipling anybody? And that might be people in your own house. Maybe it's your kids. Great. Maybe it's a family member. Maybe it's a neighbor. But I'm just here to to remind us, just to bring us back up to where we're supposed to be. You have a cause and a purpose. And I'm telling you, there's nothing greater than fulfilling that cause and purpose. There's nothing greater than in your Christian journey. And here's the beautiful thing. You don't have to be this brilliant theologian to be able to mentor somebody or train somebody or disciple somebody. You don't have to be years and years ahead of somebody else. You don't got to have degrees to do it. You just got to be willing to do life with somebody. That's it. Be willing to do life with somebody. Be willing to share your journey with somebody. Be willing to take somebody from where they are in the steps where you know that they're going. And let me just speak to those that are a little bit older in the crowd. And you could gauge whatever you want to call old, right? I'm 46. I feel old today. I know some of you are going, 46, that was like 40 years ago. You're not even close. And some of you are teenagers, you're like, you are super old. I get it, right? We're all we're at all different points of what that means. But those of you who are older and more mature in Christ, I am begging you as your pastor to mentor somebody. We need you. We 100% need you. Those of you who have lived life longer than I have, longer than we have, those of you who have had successes and failures, heartbreak and successes and victories, would you be willing to take somebody younger and say, let me pour into your life to help you avoid the mistakes I avoided and to point you closer to Jesus. We need you to do that. And anybody at any age in this room can do that. To find somebody. I just want to encourage us that this is what we are called to do. We're called to do this. And if we can't get this calling and purpose, then guess what? We're just filling it with other stuff. Then all of a sudden our career or family or friends or schooling becomes our cause and purpose. And, and that might be part of it. But if we don't lose if we lose sight of what's really important, it's that we're called to next disciple people. We're called to do that. The second thing is John the Baptist uses voice. I'm gonna talk about this for just a moment. He used his voice. I think this is so powerful. He used his voice. In Mark chapter one, verse seven to eight, it says, and he preached, saying, After me comes he who is mightier than I. The strap of whose sandals I am not worthy to stoop down and untie. I have baptized you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. John had a very clear message. Very clear message. In fact, every time I picture John the Baptist, I kind of picture someone with a sandwich sign saying the end is near and just kind of shouting. That that was his calling. It was his purpose to repent for Jesus is near. He had a calling of repentance. And again, the second question I just want to keep in front of us is, how are you using your voice? Because we all have a voice but how are you using it? And again, in the context of your cause and your purpose, that if we understand our cause and our purpose ultimately is to lead people into who Jesus is and disciple them, are we using our voice to do that? Because we can use our voice to encourage people. We can use our voice to lift people up. We can use our voice to give hope and to give victory. We can use our voice to speak life and to speak peace into people's lives. Or we can use our voice to completely tear people down. And by the way, it's not just what you say, it's, just, it's what you tweet. It's what you put on Instagram, it's what you put on Facebook. It's not just the things that's coming verbally out of your mouth, the stuff that you're sending, it's stuff on social media. Does the stuff that you're saying and the things that you're posting line up with your cause and your purpose in Christ? Because listen, right now, we all know this to be true. Right now, as of right now today, there is so much room in this world and in our culture to actually speak life and hope. There is so much room. And take your pick of whatever area you wanna take your pick in. And take your pick in your area of politics, of racial tension, take your pick of coronavirus, take your pick of finances, of education, take your pick of stress and marriage, jobs. I mean, just take, take a pick of any of the issues that we are all seeing and experiencing right now. And what would happen if you started speaking life into that? you started to use your voice to speak encouragement into that. You started to use your voice, instead of ripping people down, you start building people up. You start using your voice to go to that coworker or that neighbor because you're on your cause and your purpose, and you start to speak life into them and hope into them. That you and I, in the power of our tongue, sets both life and death. Jeremiah the prophet says that there's such a fire inside of me that that I have to actually speak. I love when Jeremiah writes that. There's such a fire inside of me that I can't help but proclaim and speak what God put in my heart. What about us? What about us? Is there such a passion and fire and hope inside of you that it is just causing you to speak hope in life? Causing you to send that encouraging word instead of that destructive word? All eyes are watching everybody right now, the church included. And how we respond right now today matters. It matters not just for today. It matters about your influence for tomorrow, which leads to point number three. Point number three is mission. John the Baptist had a very clear mission field. It said in scripture in Mark chapter one, it says that he went into the wilderness, baptizing people, being a witness for Jesus, proclaiming the baptism of repentance in the wilderness, in Judea, in all of Judea and in Jerusalem. That was his mission field. And again, I just want to pose it as a question in front of you of what would happen if you and I would view wherever God has placed you. And, and again, it's for all of us. It doesn't matter if you're in elementary school, middle school, all the way through retirement. Where is God specifically placed you right now? And what would happen if all of us just turned the dial a little bit and instead of it look like a, a place that we go to just to get out of or a place to get an income, what if we looked at it as that is actually where God has placed me? Whether I like it here or not, whether I like my job or not, whether I like my school or not, whether I like my relationships or not, or where I live, my house, that's secondary. What if we looked at it and said, there's a harvest here. and scripture says that the harvest is ready, but the workers are few. Church, I would argue that those same words that Jesus uttered 2000 plus years ago is just as true today as it was then. The issue is not lost people. The issue is not the harvest. The issue is not when we leave here, it's hard to find somebody that doesn't know Jesus. That's not the issue. The issue is us. It's the workers. So what would happen? What would change in your heart and change in your mind if we started to understand our cause and our purpose was something greater than just a hobby or an interest or a job? If we all had a voice that we could use to give life, and we looked at it in the context of wherever God has placed me, there I am for a purpose and a reason. And we started to look at our classmates in school as not just friends or acquaintances, but but the harvest. Started looking at our coworkers not as people that we just work with and associate with, but but there's a soul there. So what we start looking at everybody through the lens that everybody has a soul? And every soul matters to God. And every soul is going to spend eternity in one of two places. And you and I, could it be that you and I are where we are at this very moment to help them change the ending of their story? To tell them the good news of Jesus? To share what we've gone through, to share who we are, to share our testimony? John the Baptist was proclaiming this all around the country, right? That was his calling, his purpose, his mission field. And the way that he did it, I'm going to bring it home with this, is the fourth point. The way that he did it made all the difference in the world. He did it with a spirit of humility and boldness. He didn't do it by yelling and arguing and fighting. Jesus himself didn't accomplish what he accomplished by yelling and fighting and arguing. There was a certain spirit about him. We know that he was humble. John the Baptist had a following. He had disciples. He had people that followed him. And yet he kept telling people, hey, it's not about me. I've got to become less. He's got to become greater. I'm not even worthy to touch his feet. That's the person you need to follow. He kept pointing people to Jesus. That's the humility side yet. He did so in a climax, in, in a climate of such political unrest and religious unrest with boldness. In Mark chapter seven, I just want to highlight this passage. In Mark chapter seven, it starts by saying that Herod had Jesus or had John arrested. And so he's in jail. He's arrested. And as that passage unfolds, there's some amazing things that is said about John the Baptist that point to his character. And so in in Mark chapter 7, I'm sorry, Mark chapter 6, verse 17, for Herod, who had sent and seized John and bound him in prison for the sake of Herodias, his brother Philip's wife, because he had married her. Now, why is that a big deal? Well, because John had been saying to Herod, It's not lawful for you to have your brother's wife. John the Baptist was speaking a very hard truth to a political ruler of the time, knowing that there might be consequences, but did so with boldness. But watch the rest of this. Herodias had a grudge against him, wanting him put to death, but she couldn't because Herod actually feared John. This political ruler actually feared this guy in camel's hair eating locusts and honey. And here's what else happens. Watch this. Knowing he was a righteous and holy man. Knowing he was righteous and holy, he kept him safe. When he heard him, he was greatly perplexed, yet he heard him gladly. When I read that, it jumped off the page at me when I read that. When I read what Herod had said about John the Baptist, that he feared him because he was righteous and holy. He didn't fear John the Baptist because John the Baptist lowered the bar and made excuses and was too afraid to say anything. John the Baptist spoke a very hard truth to him. But here's what I know about John the Baptist his cause, his voice, his mission, his spirit guess what? They all lined up. He was who he was, he said what he said, and he did what he did, and he still maintained his righteousness and his holiness. Church, we cannot lose sight of righteousness and holiness as we try to navigate the cause and purpose and voice that God has given us. And too often we just lower it because we're afraid or we're intimidated or we don't want an argument or we don't want people not to like us. I love this example that John the Baptist shared. He went straight to Herod and said, hey, what you're doing is not lawful. You should not marry your brother's sister. Because of that he ends up in jail and because of that he ends up losing his life. But here's what jumped off the page at me. It said that Herod was perplexed by what John said to him, yet he heard him gladly. Church, that's my prayer for us. My prayer is we navigate into a world that says in Scripture that the cross to those who are perishing is foolishness. Meaning people who don't know God, it seems completely foolishness that somebody would go to a cross on their behalf. It just doesn't make sense. Yet, Will they hear you gladly proclaim that good news? And why would they hear you gladly? Well, they hear you gladly because you're genuine, you're authentic, you actually love people. Your action, your cause, your voice, what you say, it all lines up. You're not playing church on Sunday and living like the world the other six days of the week. Every day of our life, that righteousness and holiness bar does not lower just because we're not in church or just because we're around certain people. So again, the question to us is how is our spirit? Do we have the spirit of of humility and the spirit of boldness being willing to proclaim the good news even when it's not popular, even when it's difficult, even when it's not what everybody else thinks and what everybody else feels, just to proclaim that good news gospel message? And yet will people hear you gladly? And my prayer is that they will. My prayer is that your cause and purpose for Jesus, your voice and your spirit will line up so much so that people would gladly hear what you have to say to them. And here's why, because they know that you care. Right, that old saying is so true. People don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. That is such a true statement in almost every category of our life. People really don't care how much you know until they know that you actually care for them. And if we would actually care for people and display that and look into the eyes of somebody that Jesus so desperately loves and with genuineness view them as a soul and a harvest, wow, imagine what could happen. Imagine what could happen in your own family, in your neighborhood, school, and workplace, and especially in our triangle in the city. And so that's my prayer for you. So I pray for me, for our church. Would you do me a favor and just simply stand to your feet this morning. And, and I want to pray those four things over us today. And then Daniel and team are going to close us with a, with a chorus. And then Pastor Daniel is going to come up and give us some exciting things that we can put our hands on. And so I want to pray for us. And I want to pray those four areas, a cause and a purpose, and our voice and our missions field and our spirit. Let's pray together. Father, thank you right now that, that you are here in this place with us. I thank you for that example in Scripture, John the Baptist, who had a very clear call and a purpose. He had a very clear voice. He had a very clear missions field. He had a spirit of humility and boldness. And Lord, I pray that for my life. I pray that for this church, for everybody as individuals, that we would accept that cause and that purpose of being a follower of Jesus. That we would use our voice not to tear down, but to lift up and encourage and to speak words of life and hope and peace and redemption. That we would view wherever you placed us as that potential mission, that potential harvest that is ready. And Lord, I pray that we would all deal with a spirit of humility. That we would do with a spirit of boldness. And Lord, I pray that just like Herod, even though he was perplexed by it, he didn't understand it, he was maybe confused by it, but he gladly heard john the baptist speak i pray that a world that is so confused right now in so many ways and is so hurting right now in so many ways that even though they might not fully understand why and who god did what he did that lord i pray you give us opportunity to speak into them and that they would gladly hear the good news gospel message from the people here today and lord we thank you for that and we thank you for the harvest that will come as a result of that in jesus name amen Thank you for joining and listening to our program today. And thank you to Crossroads Fellowship and The Truth Network for making this show possible. You can find out more information about Crossroads Fellowship at crossroads.org. If this show has impacted you, we'd love to hear from you. You can contact us at info at crossroads.org. Thank you to C3 Advantage for sponsoring this program. We look forward to having you join us on the next show.
0: Your success as a leader hinges upon buy-in from your teams clear and consistent communication from you, and strategic delegation. My name's Cheryl Scanlon. C3 Advantage helps you steward your most valuable resource well, improve retention, grow employee engagement, and generate higher team and individual ownership. The success of your organization begins with you and depends on your team. Go deeper as a leader and watch your organization go further. Visit c3advantage.net at c3advantage.net.
1: number